Now look, you were born, you were engineered, designed before the world ever be began. You were designed, and when the day came for you to be formed in your mother's womb during those uh, nine months or so of gestation, you were being formed around a gift yes. that God had put in you. You were designed to be a giver. You were born to be a giver. God spun your soul around various gifts. You're not a carbon copy. You are an original, a unique being. And those gifts all of your life have been speaking to you. And before you knew Jesus Christ as Savior, under the brokenness and the corruption and the blindness of sin, all you could do was feel their impulses and probably misunderstand what they were. Maybe you tried through athletics or music or various things, uh, um, sometimes in corrupt ways, sometimes in good ways. We try, but there's no way that you can know who you really are, the gift that God has put in you, who you were designed to be until you met Jesus. When He woke your spirit up, before that, your spirit was dead. When he sent the spirit of life into you and you woke up, the first thing that coming to Jesus does is it introduces you to the Father. He introduced you to Father God. And then the very next thing following on the heels of that is the Father introduces you to yourself, to who you are. He begins to show you who you are. And that gift begins to speak and begins to rise up. And God really builds his entire relationship with you around bringing you into an understanding of the gift that he's put in your life. In fact, when you were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the Lord released certain supernatural gifts of the Spirit into your life to enhance and to support that gift that God has designed you to be. So you have all of the potential in you that you need to fulfill your purpose in life. And we just pray that in, in pursuing Jesus, the author and the developer of your faith, that that purpose will be made clear and it will be developed in you. Amen. So you were born to give. And this sixth message in the series, Being Born to Give, uh, we are now kind of looking at the theme that God's purpose in this world is that leaders be raised up in life, whether it is a mother or a father leading their children into the next generation, whether it is a co-worker being a light and an inspiration to his or her fellow workers, or whether it is a public servant or whether it is somebody with a, with a spiritual calling, like a pastor or an apostle or an evangelist or teacher, or whether it is somebody in business who has a gift for building. And um, all of these things are areas that need leadership, need leadership. And the reason why is because Jesus said that in the world, the blind lead the blind. Blindness is a condition in this world, spiritual blindness. And so a leader is somebody who is able to allow the light that people can see and bring them into connection with who made them and their purpose, whether you do that as a plumber, on the job, working with uh, your fellow plumbers, um, 
and, uh, or whether you're a teacher in a classroom, whatever that vocation might be, God wants to shine His light through your gift that everything you do, you'll be able to do it under the glory of God and live a very purposeful life. So the idea isn't to come week by week into church and, and to think religiously, well, this is, this is where it's at as far as God is concerned. This is what's important to God. Whatever is significant in the kingdom of God happens here in this little hour and a half or two hours that we spend together. But no, it's in the marketplace, in the homes, up and down the highways and the corridors of society and culture and uh, here in the communities of the world, those are our harvest fields. Though That is the place of true ministry. That's where the gifts of God need to be manifesting in your life. And if nothing else, I would, I would feel that we've ha had a significant measure of success if through these messages you have been um, inspired to make a habit of getting up every day, and as you go about whatever your routine is, you go about it with a mindset, I am the gift that God has put in me. How, Lord, can I be that to this person standing in front of me um, in Walmart or in my, on my job or in my place where I'm encountering people in Starbucks or Burger King or wherever it might be. Lord, if I am an encourager, what does the encourager have to say to this person that I'm meeting and that I'm talking to? Do you understand that we have closed doors on our calling, on our gifting, on our men? We've literally shut them down because we only open them when we get to church. We only think about who we are and what we are when we get around other Christians in the context of something religious. Am I getting through to anybody? You understanding these gifts are supposed to be transforming our communities. Hallelujah. Transforming our communities. But if we remain locked down and we don't think of ourselves with the gifting God's put within us. If, if you have a gift, a prophetic kind of a gift, or, or word of knowledge, or word of wisdom, have you ever thought God wants to use that gift when you're eating lunch with your friend out somewhere at a restaurant and the music's blaring and you can barely keep your mind on what you're doing? Have you ever thought, I ought to say to myself, gift, do you have anything to say? When I say gift, capital G, I'm talking about Jesus, the gift of life, who is manifest in the gift that He's put within me. I know Him as Lord and Savior first, but then secondly, I know Him through the specific gift that He has shown up in my life as. Hallelujah. And when I give myself to be that person, when I act on that gift, God manifests in my life. Can you say amen? Proverbs 18, 16 says, A person's gift makes room for him and leads him before important people. If you have been in life in a series of uh, mediocre patterns that you can't seem to break out of, uh, doors aren't opening, and indeed trials just seem one right after another, there hasn't been a breakthrough, and you can't really say, as a person, as a human being, I am making significant progress in my life. 
and you're seeking God, what is, is there something wrong with me? One of the things you might think about is that verse. Because the Bible says the world will make room for you if you live your gift. A person's gift will make room for them. Doors that do not open for you because your name is Sam Johnson and you are who you are will open for you because of the gift that God put in Sam Johnson. When you live that gift, when you embrace it, when you humble yourself and walk in it. And so Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 and says, I remind you, fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If you need power, if you need more love, if you, if you need that clear mind, if any of those three things are things that you need more of manifest in your life, if fear, insecurity has been something that has been eroding your confidence, know this, that it's not running around like a parrot saying, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I'm not making fun of confessing the word. I believe in confessing the word. But I can tell you that in the context of this scripture, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, if you want power, love, and a sound mind, stir up the gift that is in you. Because God has given you a spirit through that gift of power, love, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. This series, this message today, is all about the real you that is hidden in your gifts. It's all about the fact that when you realize that God has put gifts in your life and you begin to come to Him for their development and give yourself to Him, the real you will begin to emerge and life will begin to make room for you. That's why Jesus said, it's more blessed to be a giver than to be a receiver. Because when you live as a giver, you are living like God, like His Son manifest Him in this life, and His whole relationship with you surrounds you giving your gift. Now, God's plan for the world is that leaders rise up. We need leaders in this world. It's pretty evident. I don't need to touch on the events of the day. Today, last year, 10, 50 years ago, or 6,000 years ago, it is evident that since Adam and Eve walked out of the garden, man has been lost and needs some leadership. God's plan is that people whom He has redeemed, who know Him and walk with Him through their gifting, through giving themselves through their gift, become the leaders that the Lord puts in positions in life to lead. And those positions, none more important than another, are, like I said, all things having to do with any responsibility that you have. As a parent, as a wife or a husband, you are a leader in your marriage. As a friend, you ought to be a leader among your friends. Leadership is nothing more than influence. The true definition of leadership is using influence for the glory of Jesus Christ. So we've looked at the first two things that are elements that make a person, that make a giver a leader. What makes a giver a leader? Well, purpose. 
And then the last time I was in this pulpit speaking on this, we talked about passion. Passion makes a giver, a leader. This morning, I want to combine number three and four together because they work together like peanut butter and jelly, and that is integrity and trust. Now, integrity has two definitions. The first is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Moral uprightness. The synonyms would be honor, righteousness, trustworthiness. So that definition focuses on honesty. The second definition for integrity is the state of being whole, uniformly constructed, undivided, unimpaired, synonymous with unification, cohesion, soundness, and stability. And that definition centers around the idea of alignment. Think of alignment. Pastor Terry and I and Justin and different ones have spent a lot of years working in the trades and building things. And we understand the purpose and the necessity for alignment, having tools properly calibrated so that those precise measurements can be used to bring materials into alignment so that the structures that are built are sound, cohesive. They are trustworthy. You can live in them. You can stand on them. That also is integrity. Now, Christian integrity, integrity as the Bible uh, presents it, is formed by combining these two concepts of honesty and alignment. Let's look at honesty first. And by the way, if we have any AC engineers in the house, is it just me or is it a little bit warm in here? Yeah, if we have an AC engineer, you have permission to hit those three thermostats and just drop them a degree or two. Take your liberty, hallelujah. We're free around here, praise God. Honesty. Now look, whether you're a parent leading children or a president leading a nation, honesty is essential if others are going to put their trust in you as a leader. There's nothing worse, no, there's nothing more disappointing or disgraceful in life than seeing people put their trust in someone because of their talent when they have not developed any integrity. We see people chasing celebrities and acting like they act and repeating and parroting the same silly things that they say because they look good on the movie screen or they sound good when they're fulfilling their parts. And so they are entrusting their own moral character, their own projection, their own behavior to people who have talent but have no integrity. We assign our trust to people who have the same labels that agree with us. Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. You could be a Republican and have no integrity. You could be a Democrat and have integrity. I know it seems like those, no comment. <laughs> but those are all possible. Those are all possible. Listen, have, we, we need to stop 
simply asking people or expecting people to put their trust in us because we share labels. People won't go to a, a church other than a Baptist church because that's where grandma went and that's where mama went and that's where my aunties and my uncles are at and, and I grew up there. Um, in the many years that I pastored up in the Northeast, uh, Catholicism was huge in, in most of the communities that I was in. So a lot of Catholics began to filter into our church. And, uh, you know, I would see it. We'd have these Wednesday night services when the years we spent at Yale University and then afterwards when we moved out into our own uh, building. Wednesday night, you know, there wasn't a mass on Wednesday night. Catholics would kind of come through the door. And they'd be coming in and sitting in the back because they had heard one of their friends say, oh, I'm going down to this church down at Yale University. And, uh, oh, you should walk in there speaking in tongues, laying hands on people, people getting healed, all sorts of stuff going on. You know, so they'd come in, well, this really isn't Catholic, but I'm going to, that, that nervousness. And uh, give it about two, three weeks, they'd be like, oh, you know what? I don't understand what's going on, but I feel Something inside feels a connection. This, this seems right. And then the next thing you know, they're going through the scriptures. Wait a minute. Let's check this out. And you know, you, you just kind of start hanging around the edge, and eventually you slip and fall right in. And you're in. That's it. I used to watch it happen all the time. I never had to say a word. I would never say anything. Um, but, but we understand. We give our trust to things that share common labels with us. And that's one of the reasons why we never get anywhere in life. Uh, uh, do you understand what I'm saying to you? That we ought to be looking for integrity. That is what proves that a gift is ready to be a leader, either from us to others or from others to us. Integrity begins with honesty. That is the first definition, honesty. And if you're going to be honest and have the honesty of integrity, let me say to you, as a one in whom God has installed a gift that the Lord's dealing with and nurturing and bringing that gift forward, you need to begin by being honest with yourself. Amen. Let's talk about honesty with oneself. True leaders, true leaders, true leaders that God is working through their lives. They know themselves. That's one thing about a true leader. True leaders know themselves. They know their strengths and they know their weaknesses. They want to know their weaknesses. They want to know what's wrong with them. They want to understand their flaws. These are not people who are just simply interested in developing and honing their gifting and convincing everybody of how gifted their gift is. They want to know what is wrong with me. Are you listening to me? So they know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. You and I, we need to know what we want to do. And we need to know why we want to do it. Do you ask yourself every time you have an impulse or a deep desire to do something, do you ever stop and question, why do I want to do this? Where is this motivation coming from? 
True leaders break themselves down. They study themselves. They ask the hard questions. They comb through their soul to find those knots, to find those hidden motivations that will one day betray Jesus if they're not combed out and straightened out of our lives. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So you must know not only what you want to do, but you need to ask, why do I want to do this? True leaders always work on their own integrity because they know that others cannot put their trust in them if they don't deal with your, if you don't deal with yourself. People cannot be expected to trust you. And you ought not be trusting people that do not deal with themselves. Sometimes we trust people because we like what they have or what they stand for or there's a similarity between them and us and we think it'll rub off on us. And so, so many lives end up being spent unfulfilled or even ending in ruin because we look to associate with people who have an affinity with what we think we have. We ought to be looking for integrity. And we ought to be pursuing relationships of integrity, being integral in all of our parts and wanting those mentoring relationships that will foster that in us. Can you say amen? amen. So a true leader is always looking to deal with himself. Let me say to you that it is the integrity of being honest with yourself before God that actually enables you to hear from God. People have come up to me for years. I'm sure you've been asked this question. You may have asked it. How do I hear from God? I hear people say, oh, I was talking with the Lord this morning. And you see them in your mind's eye and you think they're sitting there at the table, legs crossed, sipping coffee and eating a, a Danish, going, well, Jesus, what's happening today? Praise the Lord. It's good you could meet with me. And they're having this little chit-chat. But the reality is, is that the Lord really does talk to us. When I'm on my knees and my soul is at attention, and my hands and my heart are lifted up and saying, I bow my heart before you, I acknowledge you. You are the most high God. And I may be broken and lowly, but you are the glory and the lifter of my head. As I begin to pour out my worship, as I begin to declare my allegiance and dependence upon Him, God doesn't sit there in the silent Missed, just taking it in. He is talking. The Bible says, my sheep know my and another they will not follow. He's talking to you so that you can follow him. And so when we are speaking to the Lord and we want to hear back from God and you say, well, how do I hear from God? Let me share with you that integrity, having integrity, being a woman or a man of integrity and right now we're looking at that first aspect of integrity, which is honesty. We're going to get to the second. But both those aspects together make integrity. If you want to hear from God, being honest with yourself and having integrity is what enables you to hear what He is saying. Let me say that to you again. Having honesty and integrity enables you to hear what He is saying. It doesn't get Him to talk to you because He's always speaking helps you to hear him. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 and 3, the integrity of the upright guides him. 
but the crookedness of the unfaithful destroys them. This simple Proverbs just illustrates what I have just shared with you. That integrity is the straight lens that makes God's light discernible to you. The integrity of the upright guides them. Why? Because when you are walking in honesty and integrity, you're able to see what the Lord is revealing. You're able to hear what He is saying. But the Holy Spirit's leading cannot penetrate those who look at only what they want to see and are not honest with themselves. The struggle you have to hear from God isn't to, a struggle to get Him to talk to you. It is a struggle to get you to let go of your self-will in wanting only to hear certain things, only see certain things. I want to hear from God, but I want to hear Him say this about that. What if He wants to say this about that over there? And you're not ready to hear that. You don't want to talk about it. The fact is, integrity is not going to bring you into wholeness until you are willing, and more than willing, you are eager and desirous to hear Him speak to you on every level about everything. That's being honest with yourself. Can you say amen? If you would base your life on honesty with yourself before God, then His grace would build integrity into you. In Psalm 51 and verse 6, David says, Behold, you delight in truth. Another translation says you delight in integrity, in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Listen to those two things that David says. Behold, Lord, you delight in honesty and integrity in the inward part of my being. And there in the secret heart you teach me wisdom. Let's put those two together and realize that David is saying wisdom is the fruit of inner honesty. In all of your getting, get understanding. We hear tragic stories of Christians falling out of fellowship with the Lord, turning their back on Jesus. Christian leaders being caught in the most awful situations, being embarrassed and shamed and, and bringing the testimony of Jesus to shame. How do those things happen? It is a lack of wisdom. People forsake the wisdom of God. They begin to live in a foolish way. They're not hearing wisdom anymore. How did that happen? Where did they lose sight of the beacon of wisdom every day in their life? It is when they stopped being honest with themselves. It is when integrity stopped being the thing that they were seeking God for. You see, if you would delight like God delights with truth in the inward part, the Lord would every day give you a lesson in Proverbs. Every day, He would make sure that you're on beam, on target. Hallelujah. And the prince of this world could come, but He would have nothing in you. There's a reason why Jesus said in John 14, the devil comes 
but he has nothing in me. It's because he was the whole word made flesh, not just an aspect of the word. Are you listening to me? Let's talk now about alignment, because I think this, this thought brings us to that moment, that point. The second definition, remember, of integrity being alignment is the state of being whole. Think of a building or any kind of an apparatus or machine. I don't have my cell phone on me, but that, that, that thing is in perfect alignment. It just works. And it's, there are just thousands of principles at work. Combine little systems within moderate systems, within greater systems to create this one beautiful, fabulous apparatus that provides communication. So when we think of integrity, we're thinking of building your Android or your iPhone and not just slapping some parts in there that are awkward and don't fit together and don't work together. The math isn't working and the science isn't working. Everything's been thought out and it's brought together with integrity. That is alignment. The state of being whole, undivided, unimpaired. Am I impaired as I move forward? Have I got one messed up leg that keeps wanting to run off in left field and so I'm going in circles in life? I'm not following a straight line? Why am I not getting anywhere? I keep seeing where I want to go, but I keep ending up at the same place. What's wrong? I'm impaired. There's an impairment somewhere in my life. Stop. Fall on your face before God. Say, Lord, I haven't been walking in integrity. I lack integrity. My parts are not aligned. The synonyms are unification, cohesion, soundness, stability. Christians shouldn't be unstable. Christians should be stable. It's bad enough that we're weird. Should we be unstable on top of it? That's the that's the that's a straw that breaks the camel's back. It's okay. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost and, and you do strange things that are peculiar, the Bible says you're peculiar people. That's okay. But it should never go beyond that. It should never go beyond that into being impaired or unstable. And I grieve every time I meet a Christian who I know they don't work on their personality. They don't work on their character. They're unstable. They say things that are unstable. They act in unstable ways. Every time you do things like that, it's like a fly in the ointment of the apothecary, of the perfumer. The whole batch needs to be thrown out. It's a, it is that little bit of corruption that spoils what is good. Instability is not good in a Christian. When you got saved, you ought to be more stable as a Christian than you were as a sinner. Amen. Are you listening to me? I see Christians that are flighty and they're goofy. They've got, there's no pattern in their life. Well, I, don't, I don't follow patterns. But there are patterns. The universe has patterns. If you have no patterns in your life, you're not fitting into the universe. You're not fitting into God's universe. The Bible says God has placed into the body of Christ members according to his pattern. 
as it pleases him. I think I shared with you a couple of weeks ago how that when I first got saved, I really didn't know a lot about being saved. And I got saved filled with the Holy Spirit, so, you know, I should have been locked up the first six months. I was dangerous. And my mother came home one day. And I, I was going to school at night. I was working during the day. She came in. There were some strange guys in the house. My bags were all packed at the door. Or my bag. I just had one bag. Uh, and uh, my stuff was in it. She said, what's going on here? Who are these people? Where, where are you going? I said, I'm going to follow Jesus. She said, what do you mean you're going to follow Jesus? Why aren't you at work? I said, I'm not going to work. I've called the boss. I've quit. Well, what about school? You got a school like... I said, I'm just not going. I'm moving to such and such a city, and I'm going to go live with these guys, and we're going to follow Jesus together. And uh, you know, any mother, even a good Christian mother, would be a little nervous. And so when my mother took me aside and got in my face and said, what is wrong with you? You are throwing your life away. You have a great mind why don't what you need to be developing this mind? I said to her, the only thing that seemed to come that made sense to me, I don't need my mind, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. That, that just calmed mama down right there. It just she was like, Oh, okay. Well, I see you're in good hands. Well, hey, look. I didn't stay like that. That kind of unstable thinking. I was being bold, thank God, in His mercy. You know, babies are unstable. You ever seen them? You don't see babies hop out of the womb and then just do a little dance in the delivery room and say, all right, I'll see you at home. I'm going to stop by Golden Corral, pick up a little something on the way. Let's get on with it. Oh, babies are awkward. But it is cute in babies. It's a shame in someone who's been saved 10 years and they're still wobbly. They're still bouncing around. They have no stability. I'm advocating for integrity, people. You ought to be growing in your integrity and your stability with God. So this integrity, this cohesion, this stability that godly leaders have this integrity. It doesn't come from the leader's personal perfection, but it comes from their alignment, the alignment of their inner and outer life with God who is perfect. When you find a true leader, you're not finding someone who is leaning upon their gift. You're finding somebody who with their gift is leaning upon the Word of God Amen. and Jesus, the living Lord. Amen. Leaning, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes in life we, we see good gift, bad man. Good gift, bad woman. You see some people that are gifted that... They, they have developed to a certain extent the gift that God has put within them. And you can, it's evident. And you can see it. But you think, why are they misleading people? Why are they themselves living a corrupt life? It's an anomaly. It is a ripple in the force. A tear in the universe. It's not right, Mama would say. <coughs> why does that happen? 
gift without integrity. That's how, you, that's how you understand what you're looking at. Oh, I thank God for the gift I see in that man, but he's not a good man. I don't mean he's, he's essentially bad. I mean he's, at this moment, this snapshot in time, he's morally, ethically, so far as integrity is concerned, he's not good. He's tilt, tilted. Hey, listen, you can go along with all this nonsense out in the world that talks about we should never judge anybody if you want to. But if you want to be a real Christian, you better be practicing discretion. You better be practicing judgment. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, he that is spiritual judges all things. That is not the kind of judgment that sits in condemnation. That's the kind of judgment that appraises, sifts through, considers the content that you see when you look at things in life and then makes a decision not to condemn or call into condemnation the thing or the person, but to decide your own interaction with that person and with that thing. Well, I'm not going to join that organization because I have judged it and this is not a good fit for me. You're not going on a tirade running around out there crusading against the organization. That's not the way to deal with it. The way to deal with it, if it's not good, stay away. Are you listening? That's judgment. That's practicing godly judgment. The reason we practice godly discernment, discretion, and judgment is to save our own necks, not to run around and control everybody else. Does that make sense to anybody? That'll help you, praise the Lord. I throw that in for free. The best leaders, the best leaders are aligned with the whole truth and not just one or two isolated truths. The whole word of God, the whole counsel of God. Listen, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one who is approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. How do you get there? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now hear what I'm about to say to you. Integrity cannot exist just on one isolated truth of Scripture. I know everyone has their favorite theme. And by the way, to a certain extent, in some ways, that is okay because there are, there are people that... Um, and all of us probably to some degree or another have a particular theme in Scripture that God has made especially uh, real and significant to us. But we don't build our life only on that one theme to the, um, to the exclusion of everything else. Integrity cannot be found if you are building your life on one scriptural theme, one Bible verse, one biblical idea or one truth. The Bible says rightly divide the word of God and you will not have need to be ashamed. You will have integrity. So integrity cannot exist on just one isolated truth. So what that means is that no matter how your gift tends to be oriented, whether your gift is teaching or leading or showing mercy, or troubleshooting, or your gift has to do with the area of serving and hospitality. 
Regardless of where the orientation leans with the gifting that God has put in your life, be sure to build your life on the whole truth and not just one side of the truth that favors your gift. And then you will have alignment with God. The mistake that many people have is they begin to discover and develop their gift as they only study, they only take into their heart those scriptures that seem to lean in support of or speak directly to their particular gift. You will become an imbalanced person. It's okay to have a gift that leans in one particular direction. If your gift is mercy and helping the downtrodden, it's not going to make for a stable person in you if all you do is read verses and apply verses to yourself about getting away with things. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need yourself to be a solid, middle-of-the-road Christian. That's the only way you can afford to have a gift that leans in one direction or another. One of the things that have grieved me over the decades that I have been a pastor is I've met people that have been in touch with a gift that God has put in their life. But I can tell that in their training, in their personal development, they only eat that diet of chips and guacamole. I say that because the desert island question. If you had to live on a desert island, could only have one food, what would it be? Mine would be chips and guacamole. So I love chips and guacamole. There is nothing like it. If I can't have the whole Mexican cuisine, give me the chips and guacamole. I'm good. But you know what? If I build my life on that, build my life on that. You see, your gifting might be chips and guacamole, but as an individual, you need the whole word of God or you're going to be an unstable person. It has grieved me. I've had people come into church and they wanted... They wanted to be used. And I would try to guide them into having interest in areas uh, of development personally that might not have specifically addressed the focus of their gift. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They're not interested. At that point, I can't go no farther. I can't go any farther. Because as long as you don't like the idea of integrity, you are a potential for misleadership of others rather than true leadership of others. And so our job is to present ourselves to God not needing to be ashamed. We want to... We want to uh, have that integrity. Let me take the last minute, and I've run out of time. I appreciate your patience. I went, I'm way over. And just say a couple things quickly about trust, because I said that trust and, and integrity go together. Trustworthiness is the one quality that a leader cannot acquire. You can't get it. It cannot be imparted to you. It must be earned. It must be earned through maturity, through testing over time. It takes time. And through trial. We don't like trials. I understand that. 
We don't like testing. But if you want to be a trusted steward, you're going to have to mature. You're going to have to deal with testing over time and trials. Because when others give you their trust, then you will become a true leader and not just someone with a gift. And so trustworthiness is something that you have to develop. Again, in 1 Timothy, the Lord says, or excuse me, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, guard. Everyone say guard. guard. It means to protect, to develop, to guard. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit that has been entrusted to you. The gift that God has put in your life is a trust. You must guard it. And we need to be faithful if we're going to be trusted and found trustworthy, then we have to guard and go through those trials that help to develop character. You see, if you handle your gift with integrity and you work hard, you work diligently to develop it in a godly way, to be the light, to be the salt to this generation, the, the, the work to develop the grace that uh, God has empowered you to be, then you will earn the trust of others. You will fulfill your mandate to be the leader God wants you to be. And as I've pulled this verse out many times, it seems like a good place to end. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am that which I am. In other words, not grace is okay with the way I am, but I am the man that grace is making. I am what I am by the grace of God. And he says, and God's grace in me was not in vain. Now listen, God has poured grace into all of you. Is God's grace in your life in vain or is it being used? Paul said, in me God's grace has not been in vain. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Here's where I would like to close this message this morning. Integrity and trust do not come easy. It takes work. Paul said, I've been highly gifted by the Lord, and I'm so indebted to him for it and appreciative. But with it, I have to develop integrity in my life. Integrity is what will develop that gift and make me a faithful steward and a leader that I'm not going to be ashamed about my life. Therefore, I worked harder than all those other apostles. I love this Paul. He didn't say, well, you know what, I'm as good as Peter. He didn't, you know, measure himself by others who had similar vocations or similar callings. He looked into his own heart. He saw the potential God put in there, and he realized what it would take, the discipline it would take to be that man, to be that woman that God is showing in your life. And so I pray that you will, as we stand together to pray, I pray this morning that we will, together, make a commitment anew and afresh to work harder than everybody else around us that we know to develop that gift in integrity.
to be that man and to be that woman. If you do it, trust me, there's more potential in you than you have ever imagined. And that integrity will bring it out. Hallelujah.